midst of a series where we're talking about this reluctant missionary Jonah, guy who didn't really agree with God that this needed to happen. And this morning, you're going to hear testimony of Jarrah Wade's brother, a member of our congregation, who had some of the same sentiments. We wanted to have him share. So, Jarrah, share a little bit of your story, what God did with you. Good morning, Living House. Uh, as Jason said, my name is J.R. Wade. I would pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would speak to you, the congregation, as it spoke to me a couple years ago. You see, prior to being convicted and corrected, really, by the Holy Spirit, I had a mindset that many of you may have shared or may share right now. And that is, as a church body, I oftentimes thought, why would we send so many people overseas? Why would we spend all this money and resources send other places when there's so much we could do here locally in Bowling Green. I thought, surely we haven't ran out of people to stay here locally. Well, a lot of that changed on a Sunday when Will Burnham spoke. You see, Scripture commands us in Matthew 28, 19 to go and make disciples of all nations. And Will brought up an interesting point. What about places like Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Middle East? Us as a congregation, we can't go to those places. God, in His sovereign way, has moved and is moving millions of people across these countries to our front door. Our front door is Will and Laura Burnham as national partners, or as partners in Southern Europe. You see, all we have to do is be willing to go and to serve. God has already done the work. So I decided to get out of my pew and to join the mission team to go to Southern Europe and join some great brothers and sisters from here in our church. In this short amount of time, I couldn't share possibly all the ways I saw, I saw God working in a week's time period. But I want to share a few simple things that I saw for kind of what we did. First of all, we got to share the true Jesus Christ with these mothers. We got to pray in the name of Jesus for many different people. And we got to help just meet basic necessities of these people. Because you see, these people that we're ministering to, they literally have nothing. God has stripped them of all those things down to the point to where their hearts are soft enough. We just have to be willing to deliver the gospel message to them. Oftentimes, we get to hear the story or hear sing songs here at church about we should walk by faith, not by sight. I spent a week getting to actually walk by sight. I was able to experience ways in which God was working and that's such a powerful thing to be able to do. You know, I, I, said, I said this other thing. There's an Iranian uh, person we had, or a national partner we had working there. I watched this man who slept in the same clothes, wore the same clothes all week long. He slept on a couch. He'd already given up his uh, place to people he was ministering to. We would say this man had nothing. He should be sorrowful for what he, little he had. However, the joy that he had was so contagious because he got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ every single day to these people. And that was such an awesome thing to be able to witness on a daily basis. Church, I would say this. Go with us and help make minister to the entire world. I would ask you to help go on a mission trip next year and to be able to give the gift of Christ. Thank you. Thank you, I appreciate it. Let's hear That's an awesome testimony. I know some of you feel the same way. You know, um, what Jair was feeling is a lot of what Joan was feeling. He didn't want to go. And I'm, I'm certain he was able to make the argument, well, God, isn't there enough for us to do in Israel? Why would we spend all this money and all this time to go to those people so far away? And I, I, 
people make that argument. And, and, and what I would say to that is, is you know, we kind of have this whole thing um, to deal with when we do that, and that's Jesus. Because, I, I mean, I, I hear it. I, I hear it every year. People say, oh, you know what? We're spending so much money. Don't we have things here? Aren't there lost people here? And, you know, isn't it, isn't it dangerous? And, and, and shouldn't we just focus on what, what's, what's happening here? And, and aren't those people who go, aren't they just adventure seekers? I mean, should we really be, you know, funding that? Shouldn't they just kind of do Why do we have to do all this? First and foremost, because Jesus told us to. Jared mentioned Matthew uh, 28, 19. That's a good one. I love Acts 1, 8. Jesus said to the disciples, you're to, be, you're to be my witnesses uh, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Jesus not only told us to go to the ends of the earth, he modeled it for us. He modeled for us missions. It says in John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Do you understand Jesus is a missionary? He left the comforts of heaven to enter into a faraway land, our world, filled with sin and people who hated him, to come and bring the message of the gospel so that we could be saved. Not only does Jesus command it, not only did Jesus follow it, Jesus blessed it. See, there were, there were people at the time, Jews, who said, we don't need to worry about them, those people. That's most of us. This is Peter in Acts 11. And then God gave the same gift to them, people like us, Gentiles, as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Jesus not only commanded it, he not only modeled it, he blessed it. And he allowed people like us to be saved. But let's not forget that we were once an unreached people group. I know that's hard to imagine. Well, I'm an American. I get that. Some of you are. Yeah, I, I, I by birth. I want you to understand something. You and I were an unreached people group. And people left the comforts of their home to bring the gospel to people like us so that we can be saved. Are we, are we not responsible to do the same? And the answer to that question is yes. We are responsible to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's why we're studying Jonah. It's so that we can understand what this looks like. That, that we understand that our job is to trust and obey. And today we want to talk about getting real with our faith responsibility. We all have a primary faith responsibility, those of us who call ourselves Christians, who are followers of Jesus Christ. And that great faith responsibility is, is what makes life meaningful. We are called to do the very thing that will give our lives their, its greatest meaning, and that is to love. Your life will never have meaning until you walk by faith and choose to love. Loving is, is not safe or commanded to do it. Jesus was very clear on this whole issue of love. Matthew 22, listen to what Jesus said, beginning in verse 37, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and, and a, a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You say, who's my, who's my neighbor? Every human being who's hurting, 
and who needs the help of the gospel to be saved. That's every single person on this planet. God has called us to love because He has loved us. And that's how people will know where we are His disciples. Jesus said this in John chapter 13, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We're so blessed to be a part of a large congregation uh, that has ways of getting together in, in small areas. Many of you are in connect groups. Many of you are serving the church. And that's where you get to experience the depth of the love of the people of God here at Living Hope. If you if you think that Living Hope is a big church, let me tell you, it's because you're not stepped into obedience and found the small ways to get connected. It's in those small ways that life becomes being because love becomes real. But can I tell you something? Jesus told us to do more than just love Him and love our neighbors generically. He's told us to do more than just love each other. This is crazy talk, I know. But this is in Luke chapter 6. This is the words of Jesus. Luke 6, 27, but I say to you who hear, that is, those of you who have heard the gospel and responded in faith, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. We are commanded to love God and all people and one another, but to, to go to the nth degree, we are to love our enemies, the people we do not agree with, the people we do not like and do not like us. Jonah did not love the Ninevites. He did not want to go. God told him to. And he did it. I don't know that he did it with love, but he did it. Guys, I want to tell you, there's sometimes you just you just obey. And you know, sooner or later, your heart will catch up. Like J.R., he knew he was supposed to go. He went, he did with his hands what God called him to do. And you know what happened to him? His head and his heart caught up with what was going on. And there is an obedience that comes through through this as we walk by faith. And that's what we see in Jonah. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go with me to Jonah chapter 3. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 3, and I want to unpack a lot of this for us today. And uh, Kate's going to come and read first verses 1 through 5. So let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Find Jonah, which is not always easy to do. And uh, let's stand together. And she's going to read for us the first five verses that speaks to the second chance of Jonah to, to go and obey God. Read that for us, sweet girl. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day. Today's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Katie. Let's study this together. Her reading that, there were so many things that came to my mind that I didn't put in the outline this week. I want to encourage you to go back and, and restudy this chapter. I'm going to give you some headlines to go and look for as you study it. But just know, I, I am just getting the, the tip of the iceberg, as you might say. Even just now, there were some things that, that I recalled that the Lord spoke to me about this week that I'm not going to get to preach to you about. What you do, I do want you to understand that loving, loving people that are hard to love takes faith. I came to saving faith because of Jesus Christ. But God used people who were walking by faith. See, the people that led me to Christ were walking by faith. 
it was not responsible for them to allow the child like me to sit with their children during church. It was not responsible parenting that allowed me to go on a youth retreat with the language I had and the attitude I had. It, it did not make sense for them to allow me to sit at their dinner tables and share meals with them. Do you know what they did? They acted on their faith responsibility and they loved me. And I came to saving faith because of the grace of God, but it came to me through the hands of those who were living out their faith responsibility. Loving people requires faith. And our greatest responsibility is to love. And that is our faith responsibility. So every real Christian has a responsibility to do some things lovingly that we see in our text. And I want you to take, take note of these. I want to encourage you again. There's so much more than what, than what we have time to talk to today. I want you to go back and study. But at least know these things. The first one is this. Every real Christian has the responsibility to lovingly obey God. Jonah had to just obey. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some pressure off of you that I sometimes feel and take this pressure off of you. It is not your responsibility or mine to understand or agree with everything God has commanded us to do. So go ahead and just take that off. Oh, good, I don't have to understand or agree. Nope, all you got to do is trust and obey. I don't always understand what God's doing. I, I, sometimes, I, I, if I'm honest with you, I don't agree. See, God knows something. He knows a lot of something that I don't know. I told you before, I've, I've applied to be the fourth member of the Trinity, and I have yet to get that acceptance letter. Jonah is a guy who, he chose to live by faith. He knew something very important that we need to know, that God always knows best. God says this in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What's God saying there? You don't know. You don't know what is best. God says, I know all things, and I am sovereign over all things. Do what I'm telling you to do, because I'm a loving God. You can trust me. I have a plan for what you're going through. Right now, we're in budget planning. And I have to be honest with you, I hate this time of year. Not once in my undergraduate, graduate, or doctoral studies did I take a class in budgeting. Not a church budget, not this size. And this year, we are faced with some big obstacles. And I want you to please pray for our budget planning team. Our insurance costs for our staff it's going up 30%, and we don't know where the money's going to come from. We've got more ministry right now than we do dollars, and so we're going to have to cut some things, and we need God to guide us. We need God's provision. I, I don't understand it, but I know God does. And as we trust, and as we obey, and as we walk in, in the ways that he, that he wants us, all of this is going to come together. The Lord is going to reveal His will. He knows what is best. I don't understand it. I don't get it all. But here's what I know. God's right. And what He's going to do if we will obey Him is good. Jonah had to obey. He didn't have to understand. He didn't have to agree. He just had to obey. He just had to do what God called him to do. He had already rejected God. I did that. Maybe you have too. 
I've shared my testimony so many times, but I just want to continue to draw attention to the fact that when God was calling me to salvation, He was also calling me to be a pastor, and I didn't want to be a pastor. And so I told God, I'll be a Christian, but not a pastor. And that led me to a police car in the back. So I said, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. About a year later, I got a football scholarship, and I decided God didn't know what he's talking about. And God, I'll obey you. I'll do that. But first, I, got, I, got, I, I know what I need to do. I need to fulfill all my dreams since I had since I was a kid, and I'm going to go do this thing. After two visits to the hospital, I decided God knew best. What I love about our God is he says this to us every day. We can do this the hard way, or we can do this the easy way. If we'll just trust and obey, it's the easy way. You know what experience is? And I know some, some of you are like me. You like to learn by experience. You know what that is? That's where you take the test and get the, get the notes after. You know what God wants us to do? Read His Word, take the notes, and get ready for the test. And obey. The test is always a step of obedience. God is calling us to know His will, to know His way according to His Word, and obey. What God has clearly spoken for us to do is to love. To love Him, to love one another, to love our enemies, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jonah didn't want to go. Maybe you don't want to go. Maybe you don't want to give financially. Maybe you don't want to do it. Do it anyway. Lovingly obey God. That's where the blessings found. Second, Every real Christian has a responsibility loving, to lovingly make sacrifices. Look at verse 4, the beginning part there. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. Now, Nineveh is a large city, and to walk through it, it would require three days around it. So he's going in. He didn't go to the steps to the beginning of the city. He went in a full day's journey. Now, I want you to, to be reminded again what this would be like. This would be like a rabbi in the days of World War II, going into the heart of Germany and preaching to the Nazis and telling them what they're supposed to be doing. That would not have turned out well for a rabbi. That's what, that's what Jonah was walking into. And you know what he was willing to do? He, he was willing to lovingly obey. He was willing to lovingly make sacrifices. Every mission trip I've ever been on has come at a great sacrifice to me. One, I didn't know the depth of the sacrifice until I got there. Years ago, I was in West Africa in a, in a village that we can no longer get to because it's too dangerous. Eight years ago, when we went there, there was some danger. So much so that when we uh, got to the place where we were going to spend the night that night, they, they comforted us with, the, <laughs> with this little tidbit. Hey, don't worry. There's going to be a guard with a gun outside your door tonight. You'll be fine. That did not comfort me. Because my thought was, I know how much we paid to him because I asked. I bet they could pay him more. We got through that night. We got through that week. And I remember as we were getting ready to leave, and I was so glad to be on our way out of there, the leaders there were praying for us. They were very enthusiastic because we were around the circle praying, and our our, our translator was translating what they were saying. And I'll never forget this because it got to this prayer. It was very exciting, and our translator was excited. And he said, oh, God, we thank you for these men and their sacrifice and their great courage. Al-Qaeda has been here all week watching everything they did, and yet they preached courageously. 
At that moment, I was like this, and I became like this. So I'm looking at the rest of the team, and I want to know who knew that Al-Qaeda was here all week watching us. Well, I didn't know. They didn't know. Everybody's shaking their heads. We got ready to go. We're waiting at the bus stop for a long bus drive back, and these imams came and got on their prayer rugs, and they started praying right in front of us. And it was the most demonic, scary thing. Hearing that call prayer and then hearing, and we're getting on this bus, and I noticed they were getting on the bus. And I started thinking about 9-11. I started thinking about all this stuff. And guys, I'd love to tell you I wasn't scared, but I was. The thing I admire about Jonah, see, I didn't know all that stuff was going to happen. I knew it was going to be dangerous. And by the way, we, we don't have those kinds of dangers right now. We just can't go to some of those areas anymore. Jonah knew the danger. He was willing to lovingly make that sacrifice. And friends, we, we've got we've got some sacrifices to make this year. We've got to tithe. We've got to give above and beyond that to the gift for Christ. We've got to be willing to serve and to care for these women who are going to be coming. And I'm so excited already. There, there have been a number of ladies who heard about our pregnancy center who've already come to receive help. It's my understanding that there are four babies that are going to live now. This ministry has already begun. It's already begun. That comes with great sacrifice. And again, guys, I don't know where the money's going to come from. I, I know what we're budgeting. I know what the needs are. And we need wisdom, man. We need faith. It's going to be a huge faith year for our family. It's going to be a huge faith year. We just have to obey. We have to lovingly obey. The third thing is, we have every real Christian has the responsibility to lovingly speak truth. So he went in a day's journey, and he lovingly, I guess, spoke the truth. Maybe not. It wasn't much of a sermon. Look at this sermon. It's the last part of verse 4. One sentence. Yet forty days, and none of us shall be overthrown. Was that the entire message? I don't know. It was. That is a terrible sermon. It's not baptistic because it didn't have three points in it. What a dull message. But can I tell you something? It's a very dangerous message. To go into someone's hometown and say, you people are worth killing. You are guilty before God. Now, that's not a real feel-good, is it? You don't put that on a coffee cup. Does anybody have uh, Jonah 3 four on a coffee cup anywhere? I doubt it. Friends, we have to lovingly speak the truth. And let me tell you what happens, okay? I've got some dear friends that I used to serve God with. And um, here's what they've decided. God's wrong and they're right. And God, it may be loving, but they're more loving than God. And so what they've decided is that because God's wrong and they're right, that they're going to change the message of what the Bible says. And they're going to really love. Because if you really love someone, then, then you, don't, you don't have to deal with this, in, you know, this, this truth that, that happens to be very inconvenient. So I, I went to a place where I'd, I'd done some work with the church. And they were in a transition time. And they were having the Lord's Supper that day. 
the pastor got up and he said, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper, and here's why. He said, we're going to receive the elements to be reminded of how good and worthy we are of God's love. He said, Christ came to tell us that we are wonderful and great. He said that we should, we should be and do the good that we feel in our heart is best. He said, we just need to try harder to be as good as we already are. I did not receive the Lord's Supper that day. As a matter of fact, I got up and left. We received the Lord's Supper this morning, and I told you why, according to the Word of God. We received the Lord's Supper because we were sinners, and Jesus Christ had to come and die to pay for our sin. We received the Lord's Supper to remember His sacrifice for us because we had committed treason, and yet He loved us still. We came and we remember that God loved us and that He forfeited His life so that we could have life. See, here's the gospel truth that no one wants to hear. The truth is we are far more sinful than we know and far more loved than we can ever imagine. That's not a real possible, positive message, that first part. Friends, we have to lovingly tell the truth. Sin is sin. And we have all sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We must lovingly speak the truth. We must lovingly let people know. And can I tell you one quick thing before we go to this last point? Lying is not loving. Lying to people and telling them they're okay is not loving. Telling people that Jesus Christ died because they were already good is a lie. We all need a Savior. We must speak the truth in love. Last Every real Christian has a responsibility to lovingly celebrate grace, to celebrate it. To celebrate when God brings someone to salvation. To celebrate what's going on. You, you look at John 3, 5, and, and you see the pe- people responded, and there was something uh, amazing that happened. But look in verse chapter 4, verse 1. We're going we're gonna to unpack this next week. But look at, look at his response. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Now, as, as to verse 8... Let everyone turn, that God might turn, verse 9. This word turn, you know this word because I preached on it a few weeks ago. Remember in the book of Ruth when I told you there were two bookends? Turn and turn. They turned from Israel to go to Moabite, to Moab. Remember they, Naomi turned and went back to Israel? That's the same word, shoot. To turn is to, is to go away from one way of life to enter into another. Now, when we repent and we turn, that's because of grace. Now, what kind of grace did the Ninevites get? Let's talk about that for a minute. There's two kinds of grace, all right? There is what is called common grace. And this is good that comes to all people when when they live out what it means to be made in the image of God. And so what what happened with the Ninevites is, you look at what the king did, he, he said, let's turn. Let's, and he, look what he said for them to turn from. Verse, look at verse 8 real quick. He says, everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. What's he saying? Stop being what we were. The Assyrians were first and foremost known for being violent people. And he said, guys, we had to turn away from this. Was it common grace 
or was it redemptive grace, special grace? Well, see, redemptive grace changes a person from the heart out. It, it, it places a person within the covenant of God. We talk about the three circles every week. We're talking about here redemptive grace. When we talk about the gospel, when we talk about God entering into the world, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, we talk about repent, turn, and believe this. We understand we've all sinned and there's brokenness. This covenant gives us a new life to recover and pursue God's design by grace through faith in Christ alone. My argument would be that the Ninevites received common grace. Let me explain why. If you look in verse 7 and 8, there's a word there, and you'll see the word God. It said that they believed in and, and they referred to God, but they used in the Hebrew a generic name, Elohim. That is not the God that Jonah spoke of. Look in chapter 3, verse 1. When, when Jonah speaks of God, you'll notice the word that is used there is Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Why all the caps? When you see that in the Bible, that means that the, in the Hebrew, the covenant name of God was used, the name Yahweh. God's covenant people who were saved by grace, through blood sacrifice, had a relationship with Yahweh, with the covenant God. Elohim was a name generically used of many gods. What, what's happening here? The Ninevites are speaking of belief in God. Some of you are sitting here right now and you say, I believe in God. Let me say to you, what the book of James in the Bible says. Good for you, so do the demons. And they will be condemned. God is not looking for generic belief in Him. General belief that gives general common grace. God commands redemptive belief. Redemptive grace. Where does that come from? Jesus Christ alone. We celebrated the covenant of God. This is my blood and the new covenant, Jesus said. The covenant we have now with God is through faith in Jesus Christ, who's paid the penalty for our sin so that we can be right with God. If you do not have that covenant relationship with God, you're in danger. You need to repent. You need to believe. And if you have believed, you need to celebrate. And if you are a real Christian, then you are to lovingly obey and tell the truth and to pursue God's will and to celebrate just as God's people celebrate, just as heaven celebrates. Luke 15.10 says this, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We are to join the applause of heaven and celebrate every sinner who comes to saving faith. We had four people today make public profession of their saving faith in Jesus Christ. We rejoice today, amen? We celebrate that grace because we know it's a redemptive grace in Jesus Christ. We want to celebrate more. And there's some of you today who can make that celebration happen because you're not a Christian. You may believe in God, a God, Elohim. It's time to believe in Yahweh who's been revealed to Jesus Christ. The God 
who took on flesh to pay the penalty for your sin, who has been raised and is coming again. I want to invite you to come get on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, take my life, forgive me of my sin, I'm yours. Some of you have prayed that prayer. You need to be renewed in your commitment because you know there is not the loving obedience that He's called you fully to. You know there are areas of your life where you're withholding. You are not as faithful as God commands you to be. And you need today to come and say, Lord, i got to get serious. Help me. Help me. Today, we need to pray for our church. We need wisdom. We need direction. We need power from on high. Some of you know people who are like the Ninevites, who are broken and angry and hurting, and they need to be saved. Pray for them. Come get on your knees and pray for them. Let's stand together. Lord, you call us. And I know we can pray where we are. We can pray sitting in that seat. But there's something powerful in the picture, even in what we feel when we get on our knees before you and we humble ourselves and we say, Lord, help. Please save me. Please forgive me. Please guide me. Please provide. Provide for this church. Provide for these people that I love, for these people you love. Lord, do a miracle. Lord, please. Thank you, Father, that you call us to yourself. That's grace. You graciously call us to you. You call us to the altar to trust you. We're all hurting and broken within. We need you, Lord. Hear the prayers of those who come. Come and pray.